This was a week for highs and lows. Uh-oh. Or intrigue and confusion. Confusion confusion is uh, expected in some cases. Mm-hmm. That's true. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm just in highs and lows. Just in highs and lows? Is that what you said? <laughs> That's what I said. Okay. So, what's up, friends? Today we're talking about the excellent, number one, ex-lives of Wolverine. Ten lives. Ten lives of Wolverine. One day I'll get it. Ten lives of Wolverine, number two. The life of Wolverine, number three. Yes, the life of Wolverine, number three. Sabretooth, a numero uno. And, you know... That Paradise regular Lost. old Infinity comic. The last one. The last of that series. Hey, before we get in. Yeah, uh, hit me with the news. You got that news? I got that news. I got that news. Not not too many news items, but Judgment Day. Axe. Avengers, yes. X-Men, yes. Eternals. We mentioned this recently. Yeah, last week, last episode. The big summer crossover event revealed with some covers and solicit info. Oh, snap. What we got? What we got? The X-Men have achieved immortality, and mutants have taken their place as the dominant species on the planet. The Eternals have discovered long-hidden knowledge about their species, including a devastating truth about mutant kind. The Avengers have come into direct conflict with the Celestials, and are currently using a fallen Celestial as their base of operations, slowly unlocking its secrets. When the Eternals brazenly target the mutant nation of Krakoa, the Avengers tried desperately to de-escalate a potential apocalyptic war. Uh-oh. But this is no simple conflict. The Eternals' purpose cannot be denied, and mutant kind's future will not be threatened. No, will not. After the opening battles, new players and revelations for both sides will emerge as the inhabitants of the Marvel Universe are, all caps, judged by the greatest power they've ever come into contact with. Oh, Oh, snap. Big things. You know, Kieran Gillen, who is the writer who's been writing the Eternals title over the last handful of months, last year or so, who is also writing Immortal X-Men, mm-hmm. tying in with that. Valerio Shidi, artist that we know and love for his work. Marte Gracia on okay, colors. Okay, let's get it. All-star lineup. So when is this coming out? Summer 2022. Summer 2022. I do like when events come out of... Titles, mm-hmm. I feel like that makes it a lot more grounded, a lot more built to. One thing to call out, Cyclops is on this image as Cyclops. As Cyclops. Both the promotional art and the Free Comic Book Day cover, which Free Comic Book Day being by Valerio, I, him working within the X office, that feels very intentional. I, I don't know, like maybe the idea that, hey, he's not Cyclops anymore didn't make it across to the cover art but maybe or maybe your dreams will come true and he'll be cyclops again that's not my dreams i like captain krakow i like the the turmoil that it puts him through it's great narrative arc i feel like it'd be too short for him to go back to cyclops right now i mean but how will we live without the best (laughs) (laughs) x-man triggered (laughs) we had a bunch of women of marvel covers and that felong cover i don't know if you saw that Mm. so i thought that the trading card covers were done i got all my x-men you know we're good but then 
hit me with the surprise. Lucas Wernick entering the cover game for the trading cards with a Felong cover. That's very exciting. Very exciting because, hey, that opens up possibility for a Nimrod cover, a Mega Sentinel cover, Dr. Stasis cover, Elia Gregor cover. Mm, Maybe. Maybe. Who's the guy with the uh, director Devo with the eyes? With the eyes. I got my Marvel Unlimited subscription box. Oh, yeah. You saw that on the table. I saw it. Did you open it yet? I didn't. Do you know what's inside? Uh, No. What do you mean, no? Well, there's comics and then there's like a toy or something. You don't know what toy it is? Spider Man. It has a Spider Man on the cover. It's got Spider Man on the cover. Oh, folks, he's opening it right now. Amazing years. I have opened it. Oh, you just said no. (laughs) I didn't open what was inside. Okay. We got some variant covers. Sinister War number one variant cover and X-Men number one variant cover. Peach Momoko Polaris. Yeah, it's really nice. That's nice. It has now become, hands down, the most versions of a single comic issue that I have. Oh my God, I love it. We get a Spider-Gwen, a Ghost Spider pin pin. Scotty Young. Maybe that could go on my apron for cosplaying. A sword patch. You can have that. It's all technically (laughs) mine. It's all yours, I know. (laughs) And the piece de resistance, <gasps> pirate Kate Pride. Oh my gosh! The official version, not the stand-in that I've been using. Oh my gosh! I'm opening her. What? Just right away. Just jumps right in. Just you handed it to me. So what do you think was gonna happen? Wow! <gasps> Finally, my Nightcrawler and Silk can regain their accessories back with the bandana and the sword. She I do really even, like the head sculpt on this one. She even has a yeah. little a little bandage on her nose. I wish she had a black eye though. I do too. I feel like that can we be, can make we yeah, can make right. one. That, that's very easy to put a little oh, sharpie on. Lockheed. Even a new Lockheed. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm so excited about this. I really love the Marvel Unlimited boxes. I feel like even though some are are more involved or have more things i remember i got a, a skin it thing that went on my nintendo switch one year that's why i have the x-men decal all over my switch oh yeah that was from marvel unlimited and and last speaking of marvel legends transitioning to the packaging art revealed for the upcoming wave from david nakayama oh those, those beautiful seven images i wish we got one for Bonebreaker just because i'm very excited about him but i loved that art Sorry, I'm distracted. Yeah. You gave me an action figure of Kate, so you can just forget the rest of the episode. JK, how did you just do that so fast? <laughs> I opened her hand and then put it in her hand. That's ridiculous. The only other change from this and the juggernaut wave, Kate, that is currently on the Sentinel box is a new belt. New belt. Which I actually like this new belt better. Okay, she's sitting on my computer. She's hanging out with us while we record. Hey oh. All right, is is that it? Is that the news? That's the news. That's all I got. So I guess that means it's time to talk about the comics. Yep. Where do you want to start? X-Men Unlimited number 20. X-Men Unlimited number 20. Paradise Lost number eight. Yeah, our last Deadpool recap. Perpetual cellular regeneration. So he calls it out. And I think that's what you were referencing last week. And I yes. thought that you were talking about the, the movie actor reference that they were saying before. No, I was talking about the having to say perpetual cellular regeneration over and over again. Right. And Deadpool is repeatedly apologizing for it. We got Human Adaptoid's last push. He's controlling Krakoa's dream state 
which I thought was really interesting and explains what we were seeing before with the big purple guy himself. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is it seemed like when he was coming to Krakoa, he did something to put everyone into a dream state because Charles was just walking through the grass and he like fell down. But everyone else is in a bed. Everyone else in the comic (laughs) is in bed, comfy, cozy, tucked in, sleeping. Yeah. So what was Charles doing out at night? Just going on a midnight walk, just (laughs) surveying the land that he keeps peace over. That's a, okay. That's a statement. Deadpool's got a plan <laughs> to save the day, but not before Sinister gets shot in the head, which I'm not upset about. You Sorry, know. Sinister. We can bring it back if we really want to, but do we? Yes. Yes, of course. We must have Sinister. You add the plan, well, just to survive. That's Deadpool's plan. Just to survive, outlast the healing factor, which Deadpool calls out. The fanboys want to believe it, it lasts forever. But, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It has a limit. It will stop. Juggernaut hates this plan and attacks on his own. Deadpool kind of joins in and they are getting destroyed again. Classic. They bring in some help, though. Right. They bring in some help and the energy over the mutants is interrupted. So Xavier is able to wake up and call in some other people. So reaches out and, and Betsy and Kanan answer. As he's kind of like bringing everyone together. But Juggernaut wants someone in particular. Someone that can work for his plan. Someone that makes connective sense to this particular story. This story and the Juggernaut miniseries, D-Cell. Uh-huh. We get a little sleepy cameo from iBoy. iBoy! I was so excited. <laughs> she shouted, iBoy! D-Cell joins the fight and she is exactly what is needed to slow down the powers. And so what the human adaptoid does is he just stops using the powers, right? So he's, he's like, just ah. like oh, I don't need to use them. Yeah. You can't get to me if I'm not using them. Right. We'll just do this. We'll, we'll just be at this standstill, not factoring in Deadpool's cancer. So mm-hmm. the healing factor keeps the cancer at bay. You're acknowledging that all of your powers are being shut off. He has the cancer. And that's his downfall. That and, you know, getting um, his head chopped off. Yeah. (laughs) And we're kind of left at a will they, won't they? Is is Juggernaut coming on to Krakoa? He's got some other things to do, but it seems as though Xavier is making amends for his initial reaction from that. I think it was issue two of the Juggernaut miniseries where he told Kane that he wasn't welcome. He's like, actually, you can stay if yeah. you want. You know, you just saved all of our lives. And Kane's like, nah, I got to go. I got other things. Got I'm things doing to do. stuff. So this is the end. This is the end of our Paradise Lost. I don't know what's next, but written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Matthew Horick, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, letters by Joe Sabino. Isn't that VCs, Joe Sabino? It is Joe Sabino, his own man, <laughs> employed... By VC, virtual calligraphy, working with Marvel. Do you think people are sick of me doing that? No, I'm not. (laughs) I hope you do it all the time ever. Okay, great. So we're moving on. Are we? What'd you think? What what, was this a good ending? Are you the last two issues were probably your favorite? Uh, Yeah, I mean, this was an interesting twist of taking away the powers to take them down, and ironically, no powers at all is what was the downfall, the cancer, you know? 
So I think it followed suit with the unexpected quirky nature of the rest of the series Mm -hmm. and it leaves the door open for you know he says uh juggernaut says straight up like maybe later i'll be here which we know later in the future comics he's He's got to be he's teased as being there legion of x you know he's on the promo art so come back he'll come back in in a couple months so it seems pretty good to me Ties it all up. Ties it all together. Maybe we'll see D-Cell again now that she's officially on Krakoa and mm. recognized in a story on Krakoa. Perhaps. Hey, we're talking about the excellent number one next. Are we, though? Do we have to? I just want to get this out of the way up front. I have never read Ecstatics or the X-Force run before it. I have a general awareness of what it is as a title, but I hadn't read any of it personally. This series being a continuation of sorts off that title and with the giant size ecstatics from 2019. I thought about reading it before reading this, but I never did. And I figured it would be both, both of us experiencing this world for the first time. And that could be kind of interesting because I believe slash know that you have not read those titles either. No, I have not. And I probably will not. So <laughs> I think that that hints towards, where where Alicia fell with this title. What is this title? So I just want to say one last thing. Okay, go the for The concept it. of superhero fame and celebrity, spinning media messaging, all interesting stuff and makes for a cool place to tell stories from, which is very similar to the original run and what Ecstatics and, and even the X-Force run that preceded it tried to incorporate into its storytelling. So that that's kind of the premise. It's like satire on celebrity and the idea of superhero and just just okay nodding all right Uh, i don't think we're we're not going to cover this issue on a page-by-page breakdown just big picture for our general reactions primarily because there was a lot that we i particularly felt as well as readers didn't have the context on going in into this not having read the original series and also the fact that it doesn't seem to have any impact on the story of Krakoa, which almost feels like a misstep to me. I feel like with mutants lifted up in the public eye and, mm-hmm. and of this almost instantaneous celebrity status, I feel like you could really do something cool with incorporating it. You do have two appearances from some known 616 mutants outside of Dupe, who is a regular Ecstatics member with Nightcrawler and Blink. That was- oh, yeah, that they're... Their appearances were like, get me the heck out of this book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll give it a page turn noise if you want. So it'll get one still. It'll be sure. excellent. It's got an epic cover of battle stances. Here we go. Page turn noise. <laughs> uh, That's so mean. I'm sorry. Let me give it a better one. Yeah. Page turn noise. Okay. We have our two teams, right? The excellent, hell-bent on destroying the name of the ecstatics and increasing their own popularity. The devious mentality of their leader, Zeitgeist, who is an original member of the X-Force team that would later inspire slash become ecstatics. He was thought to have died in their first mission, but that was a lie to boost views and appeal of their crazy missions which is essentially sensationalism and what they were sold before. Mm-hmm. So he, in this flashback image on the first page, that's when he died at the, the Boys R Us mission, which was a, a band that they were 
sent to protect. I don't know. I haven't actually read the issue. I probably will check it out. She's shaking her head. No, she's not interested at all, folks. I know. So this run is beloved. The original run. So many people love it. I'm happy for them. And and I don't I don't want to force you to read anything that you're not going to enjoy. So. I don't want to knock anybody's things that they love, but I just didn't love it. All right. Well, I mean, so that's I, I, big picture. It's it's just kind of setting up these teams at odds, and what is happening with the excellent and their increasing public appearances, their happenings around the world. Yeah. All right. I'll save what I was just about to say for the ending. For the big picture thoughts. Well, no, that's that's where I'm at right now. Is I, what? Are, <laughs> that's it. That's all we're talking about. Big picture. I felt like every page I read of this, there, there was something I didn't know. You know, right. and I and I know that is take it's coming off of another series, but this is also a number one. So this should also be a good place for new people to start. And it felt like. One, I'm missing something, or two, I just don't get it. Like, what are the stakes here? The stakes are that Public one image. group wants to be more famous than the other group, and and lie about, or the they're going to slander the other group on the internet. Like, I live enough of this in real life; I don't need to see this in a <laughs> well, comic. It's like, it's like reality TV, but for comics. And I don't like reality TV, so that's why I love you. There we go. There it is. So my my first question. Yeah. Are you interested? Like, has this has this given? And I feel like that's kind of what what you're leaning towards. Has this given you enough to catch your attention as a jumping on point into a story that you know nothing about? Which I don't. I would agree that it does not give you enough of a recap or enough of a lead in to to really know or care about these characters at anything beyond surface level. Yeah. No, it doesn't do it for me. And and what is so the ecstatic are creating a a movie and the excellent are doing live streams so they're getting their slander out first. Right. That so, was like the biggest point of this book and I just was hoping for something a little more juicy than that. Yeah. Well so the original run dupe. Yep. Who you do know. Mhm. He would record their missions and and that's even Katie, who then becomes, I think, Gone Girl. Gone Gal. Gone Gal, yeah. Uh, she even references that that his videos are still doing really well. Like, why can't we just use that old stuff? Mm-hmm. So are you curious about these characters at all? Um, Some of them are interesting. But as a concept, not so much. Like the, the fight for fame, notoriety, and spinning public image. No, not so much. Not so much. Where does this fit in thematically with Krakoa? No, nowhere. Where does it go? Well, I th- plot wise, I would agree that it doesn't seem to care or reference Krakoa at all. No mention even with Blink and Nightcrawler. No ramifications either on how mutants are perceived in the public image, which I, I feel like is is kind of a misstep. I feel like you could incorporate some of that and maybe it will get to that which would build this as, and I don't know if this is a mini, if this is an ongoing, what the future holds for your face right now. I just, because I'm looking back at it and I'm going, oh yeah, Mm -hmm, this page, Mm -hmm, this page. I mean, yes, it ties into the idea of how mutants are perceived 
and how easy it is to change public opinion of a certain group just by saying or radicalizing something. So I guess that ties into Krakoa. Last question. Okay. Am I going to read X-Force and Ecstatics? Yes, you are. It's beloved by people to the point where I'm obviously curious to check it out. And and if it gives me an appreciation for this title and where we are going now, then I have to at least give it a shot. Here's the thing. We host an X-Men podcast. Yes. Okay? So I might have to read this book. Right. And maybe as the book goes on, I will grow to care for these characters or the plot of this story or Mr. Sensitive. I, <laughs> it is a book. Yes. It has characters. They are mutants. The end. <laughs> I don't we'll see. I if you enjoy this book, I'm happy for you that you enjoy this book. It's I, it's just not my cup of tea, you know? Something for everybody. That's important. Yeah, it is. We want everybody to feel like they're getting what they want. And some people really love reality TV, you know? But when I watch reality TV, like I started watching that show Glow Up on Netflix because it was a makeup show and I was interested in it. And I just want to see them do the makeup. I don't care about the the fake drama. And maybe it's because I've had my own dabbles in working on reality TV that like I just know how fake it is and I just am not interested. So... That's that's kind of how I felt about this book was reading it. I was not interested. There was nothing in it that really hooked me in to care about these characters in a sense that sometimes you can jump into a story while the story is already happening and the story stakes are so high that you, you're invested even though you don't really know what's going on. And this I felt like I was thrown into something while it was already happening, but I wasn't able to, to latch on to something to become invested into it. I just felt like I was being a voyeur on these two groups problems without really feeling connected to it in any way. Mm. So maybe as it progresses, there'll be something that is more appealing. Maybe it'll turn out to be really funny. Maybe I'll fall in love with those. There were a handful of things that were funny. And I do, I do agree with what you're saying about the, the fakeness of reality TV and reality programming. But I, I think that this is approaching it from a satirical standpoint. Right. Yes. And, and it is, interesting as a content type as a a variation of that trope right i didn't give any of the creative credits earlier on oh we got to get those written by peter milligan art by michael doc alred colors by laura alred letters by nate picos of blambot studios of blambot studios okay are we moving on from that one we are. Thank you for your time, The Excellent. We'll see you probably again. Ten Lives of Wolverine time? Or are we going Sabretooth next? Oh, it's Ten Lives of Wolverine. And, and I will tell you, I had them switched before I read them. Oh. And and that's no knock to Ten Lives of Wolverine, but Sabretooth was just... Amazing. A really great issue. All right. Well, we got a cover. We got... Genie Boo in the Cerebro helmet and Skinny Pants Logan on the front. Yeah, we do. You know I love a layered cover. This is a great cover. Not only is it layered in the sense that you have those two images, but thinking about it conceptually and how Gene is connected. I mean, it is a little bit of a twist where in this image, Gene has the Cerebro helmet on. Mm-hmm. In, in the comic, as we know, 
Wolverine does. Yes. But this idea of her presence throughout his flashbacks, throughout his timeline. Yes. Is really conceptually interesting. I agree completely. So let's dig in. Page turn noise. This teenager in Canada, the deep thinking monologues in 10 Lives. First on time in issue one, now on history. And we actually got a year in this one. Yeah. 1900. Right. So this is, this is Logan as just a boy. Just a wee boy. A teenager. Fighting a polar bear. Right. I do love the perspective of feeling small in the grandness of everything as he's stacked up against a polar bear. Mm-hmm. I just, I do, I love this sequence. This was the part of, this was a part of the preview art. And if you've read Origin 2, like I binged last weekend after talking about it, you know Wolverine doesn't take kindly to polar bears. Although I assume this is actually between Origin 1 and Origin 2. But Ah, because this is why he is triggered by polar bears. No, uh, in Origin 2, a polar bear murders his wolf family. Um, his, wo- his wolf family? <laughs> he becomes part of a family of wolves, and Mr. Sinister's genetic experiment what is this, Balto? Of, of a polar bear comes and kills his family to draw him out because Mr. Sinister wants to experiment on Wolverine. Mr. Sinister's experiments on polar bears? There's so much I don't know. Mr. Sinister experiments on everything. All right, then. But there's a moment here. He's not 1900s Logan anymore. Right. He gets the takeover from the Cerebro helmet and he just completely changes his tactics. I got to get out of here. What is the Like, I just, I want to know, is he doing this for money? Is he doing this because he's in trouble? Is he just showing off? He's, he's just, everybody's got cash in their hands and he's like, nope, I'm running in here and I'm throwing you in. Sorry, bub. I'm getting out of here. Mustache man looking all woo woo. He just threw that guy in the pit with a polar bear. I do love Gene's line here as he goes off into the snowy wilderness to find Xavier. Maybe try to not kill anyone else. We don't know what the consequences will be, which brings up the question of time travel effects. And Mm -hmm. I want to bring up my theory from our first 10 Lives Patreon episode about how every time Logan is interacting with the past, he's actually creating a new life or, or timeline, hence... The Ten Lives of Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But also, I want to bring up a counter argument to that idea. Oh, you're countering your own point. Yes. Well, I mean, and so I, I didn't. Even, <laughs> I even thought about that as I was thinking about this. I don't know if that's true. That's just my theory. That's just right, what I course. think, right? Yes. And so, the way that you test a theory is, or the way that you prove a theory is, you test it. You for science. Right. Right. You got to give a counter argument. You got to think of all the angles. Do you have at least three data points, though? Because your brother would argue that it's not a valid scientific argument if you do not have three data points. Well, we have at least three lives that we've seen. We just haven't seen the ramifications yet. (laughs) But we have the same understanding here in that proposed theory of that he's creating these branch lives. It's the same as we get with Omega's consciousness going back and creating the life 10A, 10B situation. So there's precedent for it. Yes. It makes sense. Yes. But the counter being, if what Logan is doing is actually creating separate lives, branches, realities, which would be somewhat supported right by that Omega time travel and the even the previews of Destiny of X with all the different outcomes, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be true that anything Omega Red does would actually also create a separate timeline and not undermine 
the creation of Krakoa in the narrative that we're reading. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was... When you started saying that, I was thinking the same thing. So if he goes back and kills Charles Xavier or any ancestors of Charles Xavier, then... He pre- prevents the bloodline he, or, or right. the effect. But, but does, Right. But does that actually alter the timeline in which is the life 10 timeline or does that create another divergent timeline well so that's the big question that's the big question of what are our time travel rules and i'm i'm assuming because we've literally just had inferno where we established the time travel rules of creating a branch reality that that's what's going on here right so then why do they care i don't know why are they going back to try to chase him and why is it why why yeah like if it doesn't that's really interesting. This is why I hate time travel. Oh, this is why I love time travel because it just it opens up so many other questions and possibilities. Yeah, but it doesn't um, afford you any actual answers. Maybe until the end. I mean, you're reading a, a story as it unfolds. Endgame had answers. You know, Time Heist had answers. Loki. Endgame had answers, but now Ant Man is in the event is in the Rogers the musical, and everybody thinks that he was there because someone must have seen him when they went back in time. <laughs> right. So is that a, is that a thread? No, that's a current timeline effect. Well, so and then so that's a, another question. So is it is something have to happen? Does something have to happen that creates enough of a a branch? Right. If if you're not changing much of anything, if you're just there, and it doesn't create a branch. Is that different? Like if it's a, a minuscule event, like Charles Xavier's life is not that important in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who's judging it. You know, is the TVA watching out for this? I don't know. Let's ask them. Where are they at? Mobius? Hello? We won't get that answer today. Hopefully we'll get that answer by the end of the event. But it just <laughs> you never know. brings into question just the weight of everyone's actions. But it's time for a title page. Forgotten Pasts. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Corey Pettit. VCs Corey Petit. Here's the thing. You know, the last time we were having this conversation, there was a back and forth of, is it really always going to be about Charles? Is it always about Charles? You don't know. Well, guess what? Right here, it flat out says, it says, with a mysteriously time-hopping Omega Red threatening the life of Charles Xavier, Wolverine is now revisiting his own past. To protect his mentor. Right. But it's just lives is about Charles. So black and white, there it is. Solidified information. There you go. Now you know. The more you know. We got a handful of our little squares. So we got life 10, but now with the added bubble of Omega Red, mm-hmm. who was not there previously. Life 7 with the revealed team lineup that we saw last 10 lives. Life five with all sorts of mystery that we solve in the next pages. And life one with a teenage Logan in Canada with redacted. So this, again, just to go back to pointing out something from our Patreon episode, uh, seems like the order of the lives is actually timeline order and not the order in which Logan is experiencing them. If, If life number one is in 1900 and we assumed, you know, these other lives are in chronological order as they happened in real time, not as they happened to Logan. Seems like that's that's being a little more solidified here. So you're saying that the lives are in relation to Logan's continuity, like life one being the youngest that we'll see him. 
Yes. Life 10 being the youngest that we'll see, uh, being the oldest. Yes. Yeah. About this one doesn't have a date. We're just many years ago. Right, the vagueness. But we do have some sense of it later on. I believe this is after World War II. Yes, we do get a little bit of time placement information. Japan with Itsu, his fifth life. Get out of here, Gene. Let me just have a moment with my formerly deceased wife. There's no time for that, Logan. I'm just, I'm, I'm literally in it right now. And get out of it and go find Charles. Go check in with Scott for a minute and leave me alone. This, the next page, hauntingly beautiful. Like, it's so gorgeous yes, as a page, so but so freaking creepy. Yep. Very unfortunate for Omega Red to be in the body of your sexual partner. <laughs> hey, he did it on purpose. He knows what he's doing. Is this, is this, is he even going after Charles right now or is he just? He's just messing with Logan. Yeah, right. But now we go and pick back up in Life 7 and Team X in the jungle. Team X going horde yeah, murdering peeps. Beautiful, bloody action. Yes. Always, always loving the art. Always loving the art. Interesting how Omega Red's choices of when in time to attack Charles all seem to be in places where Wolverine is in a relative distance to him. Mm-hmm. So, right. So he he needs to be if, if he was on the other side of the world where Wolverine was, what's he going to do? Well, Justin, that we wouldn't have a story then. Suspend your disbelief. Suspend your disbelief, my dear. Still going to bring it up. (laughs) That's fine, but it wouldn't be in the story if it was like, okay, Logan, hop on a plane and hope you can get there (laughs) in time. We'll get some recap of him in Team X and just this version of myself, it's the one I hate most. Interesting line about the consequences that he's creating but he's the one that actually has to live with it. He's the one that actually has to, it it feels like it's hurting him mentally, emotionally to revisit these dark times and to really experience in them again. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, and you know, he, he even says, I didn't remember it at first, but I remember now, like he blocked out what happened during this time with team X because it was just, maybe it was too painful or, you know, the man has a ton of memories scrubbed from his mind as well too. Like, oh, there's right. been a lot of interference with his memories that's true and especially as an operative for a government agency and they don't want you to know what you've done right but being back there being in the moment he's remembering what they actually do as this battle that they're currently in progresses and he's just like you know what gene charles can wait a minute i need to go take care of something right i need to do the right thing and that's why i love him that's why wolverine is awesome yeah But I do love that she brings up again. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, but we do not know what the consequences of your actions are going to be. Right, which makes it seem a little more like they're just figuring this out as they go. They don't know the ramifications of time travel. And also a little suspect that there's definitely going to be a ramification. Like we're letting you know, hey, reader. Right, right, right. Something bad's going to happen from this. What what Logan keeps on doing, he's going to create some uh, alternate timelines. I'm thinking, I'm still thinking. X-Force with Omega Red. Initially, this threw me off. Like, why? Like, bold move putting Omega Red on a trial X-Force squad. But then I thought about it in a keep him close to hopefully keep an eye on him kind of way. Mm-hmm. And the idea of where else would he belong but the murder squad, it just makes sense. So is this is this 
uh, number nine, or is this in Life 10? This is Life 10. Because this is the current, this is when they get him and they have him for a little while before they mess with his chemistry or his brain or whatever. So this, no. So this is happening before what happens in issue one where he goes to the Arbor Magna and attacks Egg. So, right, but is this happening before or after X-Force resurrects him suspiciously and... This is after that. After the vampire situation. Like, yes. He's already, right, so that's what I'm saying. He's already been tasked with his duties from the vampire. He goes, he goes to Krakoa, he gets resurrected, he works with X-Force for a little while, this goes south, he goes his separate ways. Right, because as we find out on the next page, Mikhail reveals to him that he's got... A surveillance device inside of him. So is that who he's talking to when he says, do they lie or do you? Well, that's who he's, he's talking, talking about. To Mikhail? Yeah. He's not talking to well, him. Like he's talking about him. Yeah. In the air around him talking to the idea of Mikhail. I do love this. I love where it goes. I love the fact that he's on this mission and the reveal that we get from Mikhail that he's got a tracking device inside of him. It's a great explanation to what we saw in issue one both why he comes to Mikhail and to Russia and also where he gets the information about the device from. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad it wasn't the five. Like I initially suspected that would have been a step too far in my mind of them just going off and doing whatever they want. I get it. Mm-hmm. We're almost led to believe that with their objections to what beast is saying to do. Right. Make your order. But Oh, that, that image of Mikhail reaching through him to disable the tracking device. And also, how is this happening? Because Wolverine doesn't see him, doesn't see Mikhail. So where is this happening? So Mikhail has abilities to manipulate matter, and and that that's how he's kind of like coming out of the smoke I see. and then disappearing back into it. And I think that that's also why he's chosen this bath area to have that kind of blanket visibility or lack of. Well, that makes sense. It's a data page. Sage's logbook, Omega Red, suspected defection. Yeah, it brought up a lot to frame our understanding of Omega's journey. So this picks up the threads of the Cerebro Sword and gives us some indication on what it could do or how it could be detrimental to Krakoa. And also kind of points out that even though they no longer are in possession of the Cerebro Sword, they're still connecting to it in some way. They being... Krakoa. Right. Yeah. Because it's still on a Cerebro network, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not deactivated. So I don't think they're intentionally connecting to it until later on when they do on another data page. I think it's just the fact that it has access to the Cerebro network. Mm. Not really new information, just confirms our suspicions and, and the ability to follow the trail that we've been hinted towards. Is Are they sailing on snow? Yes. I think so. Because even like later on when when the guy goes overboard, he lands and we can see him land on the ground. <laughs> like either that or though they're somehow run aground because the water has froze. I have no idea. But even, I wasn't really into sailing in the 1900s. <laughs> but even Logan on the dog sleds right, is exactly. able to Well, he could be dog sledding on frozen water. Like it could be a frozen but body. Can you of water. sail on on frozen water like that? No, you just stuck. You're <laughs> right, not going right, anywhere. Right, that's what I'm saying. 
they don't even have sails up. They're not going anywhere. They're just ch- straight chilling in the snow. They're stuck. So I don't know why it's such a big deal that the guy got thrown overboard. Was it too high of a fall? Did he die from the fall? Like, Well, I think it, it looks like the captain just killed someone. Right, right. But I mean, if the captain threw him into the snow, they could just, if they weren't being manipulated by Omega Red, they could just lean over and be like, hey, man, you okay? <laughs> you all right? I assume this is Charles's grandfather by the year and his age in relation to Brian Xavier in issue one. Yes. So this would be Brian's father. Also, ship captain and nuclear scientist don't really match in terms of you know, transferable Occupation. skills. Right. We're really just brought into their situation on the boat, but not the fact that they're sailing on snow. And the lack of success in their voyage and the weariness of the men. And that's all before it looks like Xavier kills one of the crew. Hollister's all redded up. I love the way in this next sequence, Omega Red is bouncing around yeah. between these guys. And they're so confused, like the question mark over their head when he pops out of them and into the next one. And it also is still just bringing up this point of like, how are you doing it? Yep. How are you doing your time travel? Are you getting from head to head? It's the Cerebro Sword. But ha- but I don't know. We haven't been explained it, but it's the Cerebro Sword. It has to stem from that. But yeah, this this way that he's bouncing between people to create this mob mentality, almost convince them into it. I didn't even notice the question marks over their head initially. But every time it, he leaves one person and goes to another, there's a question mark over their head. And he's, he's bopping around to all of them as he's creating this army of mutinous crew members. And hopefully, we don't know, but hopefully Logan's little sled gets there. Yeah. Gets there in time. We got another data page. Timeline terrorism. Probably my new favorite concept, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, This idea of going and attacking through the timeline. And I'm glad that it's being woven into the narrative of having been there all along. But what you didn't think of coming from the future, like someone coming back from the future with Omega. Mm. I got to tell you how much I love the tiny text that says time crime. Yes. Time crime. Time crime. Back to Team X, Wolverine going AWOL, going off on Maverick and Sabretooth, which is a really big diversion from what would otherwise happen and interestingly works Sabretooth into the story as Wolverine now tries to save Xavier. Probably going to come back to bite him. Oh, for sure. This is going to have ramifications. Yeah. This is by far the most followed time period so far, right? So the second issue in and it promises more to come. And he just leaves Maverick. It's like, yeah. you got you'll be fine. You're a survivor. Yeah, you've been here before. You've done things like this before. Plus, I know, like, you know, you're being manipulated. You're always being manipulated. Right. So This is a great week for Sabretooth, too, to just have him here like this. Mm-hmm. He shows up in Life of Wolverine as well. Yep. Post-sex fight in <laughs> Japan. It's beautiful. It's terrifying. It's all sorts of epic. It, the Omega Red Itsu is just... Horrific. Yeah, it's scary. And this moment, too, for me is in this moment, Omega Red is not going after Charles. I think you said right, that earlier, right. right? He's just there to mess with Wolverine. To get Wolverine. So you assume that Charles has to be somewhere nearby for this to even have called Wolverine into this position, right? Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't be there if Charles wasn't under threat. True. So is Omega trying to. Right, so what what life is this? This is life five? Yes. So maybe he's learning as he goes and you're adapting. Assume, 
you're assuming this is Life 5 because it's mentioned in the title page, but we don't. It's the only one that's mentioned in the title page that we don't have pictures for or names for. Right, which is why I assume it's Life 5. Right, I'm just clarifying so I understand in my brain where gotcha. you're at, where you got that. Like, just making sure I didn't miss that it said it somewhere. Gotcha. Well, it's the only one that doesn't have an image of Logan, doesn't have a location, and doesn't have a secondary character. And mm-hmm. then we get all of that throughout the issue. This ties, so this this particular moment in Logan's life ties to some bigger characters like Muramasa, Romulus, and even Bucky Barnes and how that intertwines into his marriage and his, his son. Bucky Barnes? Yeah. What now? That's not something that we'll talk about right now. That's rude. But docking. But yeah, we're, so that's that's the big question, right? So well, before we get to that, that, that's the end of the issue. The Krakoan for next issue, Hunted. Hunted. With that zoomed-in image of Mystique from the cover of the next Deaths issue. Dun-dun-dun. means we're going back to Moira. We're hunting Moira. Big thoughts? What did you think? I thought there was a lot of information in this issue. It was very fast-paced. Obviously, as we've said a million times, the art is fantastic. It's gorgeous. There's a lot of information that's really left to dig back in like I was very excited after reading this to go Ooh, okay I want to go back through this issue and I want to pinpoint time points and what's going on and what characters are involved in each timeline and are there any characters that repeat through a certain timeline outside of these two which I don't think there are but it just gave me again not real solid information to give me answers but just more information to piece together a giant puzzle which I really liked Right, we didn't really get much new introduced. It was more some old explained, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. I, I am still hungry for that mystery, though. And that I was hoping for a little bit more of that in this issue. But yeah, the art, amazing. Those full panel pages, they're just so gorgeous. And even seeing the different iterations of Logan throughout his continuity and how it very clearly is him at different ages and different places in his life. I'm I'm still very much enjoying the series. I was just expecting a little more of that mystery to be revealed mm. in, in this issue. Well, it's interesting because I think it is, there's got to be some kind of reason why we're going to these specific points in time. So even though we're not getting any actual mystery revealed, we're still getting layers with the different time points and the different places within Wolverine's timeline that we're visiting. And I also think it's really interesting that both Charles and Jean are are with Logan in Life 10 when he's laying there with the helmet on. Right. But the only person guiding him is Jean. And the only person that we're seeing connected to him through this is Jean. And I know it's because, I mean, I know he's going to save Charles, but I, it's interesting that there's not necessarily... Like, can Charles not interact with him because of how this is affecting him? Or why is he taking a back seat, you know, and letting yeah. Gene take the lead? Well, is I don't have, I don't have a specific connection? answer. But, yeah, I think it might stem from their connection, the fact that she's an Omega telepath and he is not listed as an Omega telepath. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there might be some validity to the idea that he can't necessarily interfere with the, the memories and places that he would have more of a, a personal connection to mm-hmm. that he would be swayed by that, but he would also have details more than right. than Gene would, right? right. So he, he would know more specifics about even the Team X storyline in particular, 
like he would he would know why and where he was there and is he must be in contact with her right so it's just that's interesting to me and i just when i ask these questions i don't uh, expect you to have a solid answer it's more just let me say all the things that are in my head so the people and you know what i'm thinking well when i ask you questions i want an answer yes i know (laughs) does my time travel theory still make sense here are we in one timeline or 10 different timelines? I I think your theory makes sense in time travel theory. And I do think that the argument of how Omega has created 10B is a valid argument. However, with the overarching thread that we're trying to stop Charles from dying before Krakoa exists. I feel like your time travel theory is not going to hold true in this story because they're basically blatantly telling you that if Charles dies, it affects the future right. and doesn't create, it's not creating uh, uh, another thread where tar- where Charles died and then this one Charles lives. Right. Which so, is the counter argument that I brought right, up right. was like, if, if that is true, then what's the, what's the importance? What's the big deal? Right. Right. So, I'm just giving you a solid answer, which is saying, no, your theory does not hold up. I don't know. We'll see. Because, right, you see the last page, Dokken is dead. No. He kills his wife, pregnant with Dokken, because he has, he can't not. Oh, right. So Dokken would be dead, which would have grand ramifications on the Marauder storyline where he is in a starring role. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> right, right. And so I just feel like that creates more of that uncertainty in question. Are you drawn to any of these stories or time points in particular? Is there anyone that you're curious to learn more of? The 1900s one. I want to know why why did Omega go so far back? Was it just as a way to throw them off the scent in a way of saying, oh, I'm not going after Charles specifically. I'm just going after Charles, the Xavier line. Or is there something tied to this timeline that has another implication Hmm. or is it just a random timeline right it just feels like these aren't random timelines and and i wonder is he trying to draw wolverine out like does he know that wolverine would be the one that they send back because you know the reasoning in days of future past the movie is because his, his body can handle the trip because of his healing factor and the fact that he has such a long range of life that gives you, you know, a lot of the covers, it's it's Omega versus Wolverine. I also want to call out the fact that we have Omega Sentinel traveling through time. We have Omega Red traveling through time. And then we have Omega Wolverine traveling through time or or appearing somehow. And is there some connection between? Oh, you're calling Technogan Omega Wolverine? They're calling Technogan Omega Wolverine. I'm calling him Technogan. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And the other thing is, maybe it's just because Wolverine is the one chosen because he has the the largest span of time. And so however it is that Omega Red is traveling, he has no limitations because he's not going back in any one specific person's body. And so the only person that they have on Krakoa that can accomplish traveling to all of those times is Logan. Right, because they're doing it somehow differently than the X-Men are. Yeah. I'm excited for next issue. I'm excited for this event still. I'm still very much so like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We still have one more comic to talk about. We still have one more Infinity comic before it. Oh, shoot, you right. Kind of okay. gives us a segue between the two because we connect to Romulus and then to Sabretooth. Yes, we do. The, the, the Infinity comic, I'm not saying that it's not good, but this particular issue felt like a bibliography uh, <laughs> or whole, like the whole thing does i mean it's like here's the here's your bullet points of the progress of logan's life right it's a bibliography but without a works cited page and that's right. what i was calling out last time mm-hmm. is that i i want the works cited page i can discern from this okay origins one origins two this looks like some pieces from wolverine volume three like i know these things and even wolverine volume two with the the birthday surprise later on like it's it's high level just connecting these points in some kind of time order not publication order but i i need the immediate release of those articles that are like hey justin this is what you read next yeah but see you need them but they're not saying you guys need to go read all these comics they're saying if you haven't read these comics here's the things you need to know yeah, but I want to read the comics. Like, it okay, just, well, that's fine. But all all this is doing is making me want to delve further into the life of Wolverine, the lives of Wolverine. Madripoor, I love this. The art in this is really good, though. Yeah. The this image of him sitting on the rooftop, looking over. I don't know if this is Madripoor just yet, but later on it is. But yeah, this this was very light on details. Just more. Hey, Seraph and Romulus are here. The first meeting of Sabretooth after you killed his brother in Origin 2. Mm-hmm. And and he is kind of a last page reveal at, at the end of being part of this Creed family. And and his habit of this terrible birthday surprise oh my that gosh. he used to do to his family, but now is doing to Wolverine because you've killed his brother. And so Silver Fox losing her, being killed by Sabretooth, it just talks about so much of the the torment of Wolverine as well. And the fact that the two of them will be at odds for a century. Forever, yeah. It's cool. It's it's good. I just I want more. You know, it, it makes me want, you know, like I scroll to the bottom and I'm like, okay, but where are the issue numbers? Like give me They're some not editor, gonna give, them give me to some you. editor notes. They they will on Marvel.com in a week or two when they publish <laughs> the part two of the they, they can't just publish part one and be like, that's it, Justin, that's all you get. Marvel talks to me directly when they're doing these things because Disagree. they know that I want them. Disagree strongly. Written by Jim Zub, art by Ramon Box, color art by Java Tartaglia, letters by Joe Sabino. Mm. Is it time for Sabretooth? It is time for Sabretooth. Look Sabretooth number one. Scary, fiery face. Oh, this, this cover has been teased forever. Everybody thought, oh, this must have something to do with Inferno when it first came out. Which makes sense because he's got fire everywhere. But instead it has to do with H-E double hockey sticks. Spoilers. <laughs> Here we go. Sabretooth number one. Page turn noise. Parental advisory. They all say that. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They don't all say that. All of the issues today say that. I specifically saw it on the excellent and went that's weird and then looked and it's on all of them. Parental advisory. Parental advisory. Hmm. Now we have to go back and look at every single comic we have and see if it says it. (laughs) Well I know it says it on X-Force and Wolverine. 
but I think that that's because they're the murder books. The murder books. Okay, you interrupted my page turn noise. Sabretooth number one, page turn noise. It's not really too much of a spoiler to say H-E double hockey sticks when the first dial, the first words of the issue are, I am in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Less of a literal hell, more of a metaphorical hell. For now. Largely things that we've seen in House of X number six. The added bonus of Sabretooth's inner monologue. I love the way he addresses everyone in his mind. I do too. It kicks off the issue with a twisted humor and playfulness that I just, I found super entertaining. That even though we're revisiting essential panel for panel things that we've seen before and and that I've seen in preview art, Mm -hmm. it just looks and, and is cool to get this different perspective of it and how he's dealing with it because this is very much so a saber tooth story. 100%. So, you know, he gets sent to the pit. But the pit can't hold him, he says. I'll be free before you even notice. Poof. Data page on the pit. Such an interesting question of what is the pit. It's a part of a sentient creature in Krakoa. Mm. Krakoa is living. It's It's a person of sorts. So exactly what is it? Honestly, this was making me think about Things in X deaths and the emergence of Technogan, the tumor coming up from the depths. Is this a result of that's a things poop. bubbling up? Yeah, that's <laughs> just a giant poop. That's just a giant. This is a Wolverine shaped poop. <laughs> Excuse you, Krakoa. Title page: The House That Sabretooth Haunts. The adversary. Written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by Corey Pettit. VC's Corey This is the first issue and comic by Victor Laval for Marvel. Oh. He's done some independent work and he's also a novelist. Great job. Yeah. Really great job. Ah, Sabretooth. On the free hunt. I told you I'd get out. Chilling in the woods in a flannel Wolverine style. Yeah. Really cool visual sequencing. I love seeing Sabretooth like this. Mm-hmm. This is like unfiltered Sabretooth. Hunting, tearing into things, being the wild animal man that he knows he is. Just ripping a face off a bear. So yeah. Very aggressive. And then the X-Men battle on the other side. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gravy. oh what a way to kick off an issue. Destroyed. This is so ridiculous and incredible. And uh, Cyclops is Cyclops, so there you go. There I go. We don't know when this is continuity-wise, but also, is it real? Right. Well, we do know a handful <laughs> of those things later on. Based... But not at this moment when right. you're reading and you're right. flipping through the pages. You're like, wait a second. Uh, wait a second. not Captain Krakoa. Nightcrawler doesn't have his jacket and new beard. Storm isn't rocking her queen regent outfit. Jean's still got her skirt. Jean's still in that dang dress. Using Cyclops' eye beams to annihilate everyone at full blast. This spread. Absolutely phenomenally gorgeous. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite panels of the week. Just this whole, it's so good. The overarching image of him using Cyclops' eye blast, all the individual close-up images, that image of him just ripping Cyclops' face off and his eye blast exposing through his skull. I love, hate it. I love, hate it. And then just the tactical approach from Kurt Mm -hmm. and how Victor counters it. Yeah. 
It's really amazing. Like, I love Nightcrawler, but this is amazing. Yeah. The intensity of what he's trying to do and Sabretooth's response, but also how this puts Sabretooth looking into himself after the fact, reflecting on who he is, what his strengths are, made it so much deeper than I was expecting. And also just like your literal heart was ripped out and you just taking a moment to reflect. Right. <laughs> right. He's just looking up at the clouds. He'll grow a new heart. I had to read this. I mean, I, I didn't have to, but I I had to read this page a couple of times because I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> well, it was meant to confuse you. Right. Plot twist that we were potentially suspecting, but the buildup of the Krakoan era, Doug is going to do what he and Krakoa think is right. I'm here for it. D.A. Doug, District Attorney Doug, representing the state and and the intentions of the state. With his warlock briefcase, which, which I absolutely love. Melts my heart. So freaking cute. And he's terrified. Look at Warlock's Look at eyes. eyeballs. He's so cute. So the the head games of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Not only is Sabretooth decapitating Doug at a later page, but this reveal that is this all happening in Sabretooth's mind? Sorry, Sabretooth, you didn't actually ever leave. Yeah, that was all planted. We, we've hidden the information from you, the different things that you've done, the different things that you've tried to do. Put my head back on my body, please. We need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Which just makes it so funny. Yes. So ridiculous. Just the eyeball from Warlock looking at it. the decapitated head. It. Side eye. like. <laughs> How many times have I cut your head off? Or is this the first time that, <laughs> that I beheaded you? No. no. <laughs> oh, so good. I love the intention of what he's proposing. Allowing some form of mental exercise and inevitable growth as he sits with his actions, but maybe not positive growth as we see later on. No. It just kind of makes me think poor naive Doug, he, he wants the best for people and he wants to, to help enact the wishes of Krakoa. But it's also an interesting concept that they're, they're saying, okay, we can't let you be physically free, but we can let your brain be free. Right. So in your mind, you're living your best life. Right. And, and so in Sabretooth's mind, he wanted to be hunted by the X-Men so he could destroy them. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so that was just something that he created in his subconscious. Amazing. He's been dreaming about doing that for years. So the details of... Doug still believes in Xavier's word that this will not happen again to another mutant, which means this interaction is happening before X-Men Green, before the finale mm -hmm. of Hellions, before the trial of Magneto, when we get others added to the pit. Mm -hmm. And that would potentially explain Doug's reaction to immediately spring Curse and Nature Girl from the pit in X-Men Green. Yep, that's true. And... This this page is so ridiculous. This is like contract. But I love it. I think it's, it's also really beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. You notice there's a bunch of half-eaten pears or pears with a wormhole in, in them. Yeah. <laughs> Why are those there? What does that mean? Deep thoughts on prison and the purposes and the practices of prisons. An element that I wasn't expecting to explore in this, but mm. it makes so much thematic sense to the fact that, you know, he's been imprisoned, but Xavier's 
kind of moral high grounding. We won't have prisons on Krakoa, but you're essentially but you in prison. you do. You right. totally do. Oh, yeah. And, and you are apparently throwing a lot of people in there that we didn't even know about. Y'all willy-nilly going at it. It's such an interesting conversation, and I feel like we'll hopefully be further explored in this title. <laughs> Let's just take a moment to talk about Sabretooth's dreams, yeah. murdering first Xavier. <laughs> first things first. I get out in my mind, and I do the thing I wanted to do most. Rip apart Xavier. Rip apart Iron Fist. Rip apart anybody that's ever given me problems. King of the world. Sabretooth first appeared in Iron Fist. Ah, well, that makes more sense now. But where it leads was unexpected. This almost theorized design intent of prison first asked a, a way to rehabilitate and get someone to ask deeper questions about their purpose. It, it seems as though that's where we reach with Creed sitting on that mountaintop repeatedly saying how he knows who he is, how it's a point of pride and that nobody's going to tell him otherwise. But once he's scratched that itch of who he is or who he thinks he is, the question becomes, what else can he be? Mm-hmm. This too of he's having like a council with different versions of himself. In his mind. It's this so, is so cerebral. Deep. Yeah. Different aspects of his personality meeting to discuss their potential. Time to dream big. I just I love so this this is the little boy that he is. This is the feral animal, and this is like the elder statesman. Sophisticated. And vision. then this little house cat. Right. These are all versions of how he sees himself. Pieces of his personality. But all three versions get really excited about killing Banshee. <laughs> yes, because he's screamed. You know who really made a racket when he died? Banshee. And just the name of it, the Feral Council. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. And then we get a series of what if Sabretooth. <laughs> what if Sabretooth was king? This tale of near royalty in, in somewhat medieval times as he is this crusader of the land. He has the mark of creed. And then the saber jammers. <laughs> I don't understand how he's transforming other characters into versions of himself, but this is his mind, so let him play on. He's you know? having a great time. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm here having for it. a good yeah. time reading it. <laughs> Let me catch up with Black Tom and where this places these actions in the continuity of Krakoa. So we had a little bit of details as to things that it happened, that this happens before, but now we get this point of him mentioning escorting Xavier to Terra Verde. Obviously, I went back. Obviously. That happens in X-Force number six, which confirms the previous thought that it was happening before all those exiled members. That's why yes. they're never seen in here. That's why it's it's happening in a completely different time of where it's being published. And it's interesting how Black Tom is seeing the manifestations of Creed's mind in, in the Krakoa. trees, in like Krakoa, in the right. bark, in the trees. And then also people are seeing him dream-like version, ghost-like version of him wandering around. Which, How is that happening? Right. The impact that this is having on Krakoa, thinking that this escapade of adventures is only happening in Victor's mind, why would he then be able to appear in Krakoan form? Because he is connected, like... Krakoa saps energy, right? That, mm -hmm. That's his deal. He, he siphons off energy. And we even talk about this a little bit in the issue. 
if he is that connected to Creed in this way, how is he pulling forward this? I don't have an answer to this. It's just it's really interesting. very interesting. And and the spirit forms that makes even less like I can make even less sense of that. Seeing him in the trees, all right, I, I can believe that, right? So Krakoa is hearing or experiencing everything that Creed is building in his mind, so he starts representing it. But the spirit forms of him as a ghost, of him as you know the coarse saber. A nightmare. Coarse saber. I, was, I just made that up on the spot. I was actually Good really job. proud of that. Good job. I love, I love, can we just call out Blob at the bar? Pinky's out, mustache, just, I don't care. I, I'm not seeing a ghost. I'm just tending just, my bar. Pinky's up, drinking my drink. Oh. And then the most, the second most, well, I don't know which I don't one's know. more yeah. beautiful. Which this, one is more beautiful? This, Who knows? This is ridiculous. Krakoan hell. If his body has been thrown into the pit, his mind chose to go even lower. So it's just, it's, And he's the king. Right. And on its throne, a king. It's just interesting to think about the effect that this is having on Krakoa because they are connected somehow, intertwined in their mental energies. So this is having an effect in the sense that it's building this space in real life. I don't know. Because the fact that we're then able to have some people sent to it, something unexpected and beyond Sabretooth's control. And are these all the council members? So that's Apocalypse, that's Exodus, Magneto, Mystique. Mystique, Emma, Shaw in the back getting decapitated. But I don't see anyone else. Well, there's a bones. There's bones. So that body could be anyone. (laughs) And I mean, he's also already killed Storm, Gene, Nightcrawler. Mm. Add Wolverine and Cyclops to that list just because, you know. Just because. Yeah. I mean, this whole issue leaves me with, a million questions. A million questions, but at the same time, like, uh, so you want to talk about the mystery of some of other titles of of lives of lives and deaths of Wolverine? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions, but I feel like I'm anchored in something, right? So this is all happening in the tapestry of his mind and expanding out further somehow to connect to the presence of other mutants. Which I don't know is this real as these five new exiled people? And I say that intentionally. These exiles come in to interact with him why you say it like intentionally like that is there a title called exiles yes there very much so is a title called exiles and is that is that what this is setting up is that a spiritual successor of this maybe but we're not done with the issue right because we have our five exiles coming in something uncontrolled by Sabretooth. something new necra Madison Jeffries, Oya, Melter, and Third Eye. And who are these people? And when did they get here? And who put them there? Right. That, we don't know. We don't know any of those things. That's the big mystery at the end. You know, that's the last couple pages reveal. That's rude. That's what we're going to explore later on, maybe. The council, they got so many secrets. Which, I mean, some of these characters I do not know. Oya, we've only seen one other time in the Krakoan era. And that was walking with Brew in issue eight of X-Men, Hickman's run, I believe. How do you know these things? Did you go back and look? No, No, it just lives in your brain. Yes. Well, issue eight is the start of the Brood arc. I know that because issue seven is the Crucible and eight and nine are the only 
of his issues before the vault that actually tell one continuous story. All right. Other than Ten of Swords, but yeah. Anyway. Good for you and your brain, but I don't know who these people are, and I don't know how they got here, and I'm upset by it. But that makes you want to know next issue, right? Of course. Of course, and that's the effect. That's the desired effect. What's the Krakoan? Why do you always ask me that like I know? Because maybe I'm trying to get you to read Krakoan. No, I'm, I don't know what it says. It says <laughs> um, 10 deaths. No. I don't know what it says. New fish. <laughs> New fish. It says new fish. <laughs> yes. Yes, it New does. fish in my little pond. I'm Sabretooth. What'd you, What'd you think? Big thoughts. I really liked it. It was very unexpected. It was just a cool story in and of itself. Even if it didn't have that ending of other people being brought into the pit, it would have just been like a really cool, like, this is what's going on in Sabretooth's world while to. he's been stuck in the pit. He made his own hell and he's the king. Yeah, I I thought it was great. It was beautifully drawn. It was interestingly written. It really encapsulated what I think Sabretooth is as a character. Um, Many of his layers, too. Yeah. I, was, I was personally just expecting a, a slash him up violent Sabretooth. And, and that there is more to the character than that. He is an intellectual at times. He is a thoughtful, you know, feeling person even if those feelings aren't necessarily positive if they're bad right right and and to see the effect that being imprisoned in this way has had on him as he is able to just tease out ideas and grow even further yeah i really loved it i thought it was really good i loved it so much it was nothing that i was expecting and maybe that's why i loved it so much or why i was surprised by it because I just didn't know what it would be. Yeah, I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I wanted to know what Sabretooth had been up to. And it seems like a lot <laughs> has been <laughs> going on things. in his mind. Leading to some interesting character growth. But also so much more that with this critique of the prison system. With this idea of just the the where this fits in the society of Krakoa. It's also, yeah, it's also interesting thinking about how it is affecting Krakoa and where it fits physically in Krakoa. Right, yeah. That's exciting. The ramifications that this has on Krakoa, the island, and how Creed is able to appear in places. And then the bomb drop of five new people is just... The, The additional mutants in the pit was highly unexpected, which... Great source of surprise, but also a lot of confusion about I got the pit. Questions, yeah. Counsel. And the the world that Sabretooth. So, it's the world that Sabretooth has created, right? This this is this hellscape exists in his mind. I thought. Right. So then, how'd they get there? I don't know. That's a big question. That's my first question: is what is going on in the pit? Is this all happening in Sabretooth's mind, or have they somehow crossed into his mind, or? Is this somehow been actualized inside a section of the pit? Well, it's interesting because of the way it's manifesting on Krakoa itself that some of it could have now yeah. come out of his mind and be actually a section of the pit. Like his, his thoughts were so strong that he actually transformed a section of the pit into his own. Because he wasn't just hopping from one thing to the next. You know, he didn't start a new mm-hmm. what if episode. He just kept on going hey no i'm building hell yeah and i'm the king i'm and, the king and this is where it I sits have a chair. right 
I have a chair and it's surrounded by the skulls of all my enemies. The king of the castle. I'm the king of the pit and I have a chair. How are other mutants entering without his knowledge? And is is Krakoa just, oh, okay, this is the thing now. This is what the pit looks like. It was just, you know, because we don't. No, because when Nature Girl goes down into the pit, it doesn't look like that. Right. But so we don't know where that happens in relation to where we are. Does Doug find out about what's going on in the pit and with hell and with and does Krakoa find out like what's been happening underneath? Mm. Do we find that throughout the course of this mini that understands, okay, this is what the pit became and then it gets undone and then it goes back to, you know, are there multiple sections of the pit? Are people able to see each other? I think that was a question that was asked when we were listening to the X reads conversation with Leah Mm. with, can people see each other when they're in the pit? And and she was like, I can't answer that because that will lead because to some something. spoilers, right? So, yeah. So are there different areas of the pit that we don't know of yet? And this idea of like, does it have powers or does it have some deeper connection to Krakoa? So remember earlier in the episode when you were like, when I ask questions, I want answers. You know I can't give you those answers, Sure, sure, Derek. sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, those those were just spitballing questions, not like the questions I write down to ask you to start conversation. Those are just like, hey, let's, we're getting towards the end of the issue episode. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's just brainstorm. I'm just being clear. Yeah, sure. Do you recognize any of the mutants who show up at the end of the pit? No. Are you intrigued by any of them or just the general presence of them? All of them. All of them. Some of them look very ordinary, like ordinary humans. The The only one that, like I mentioned, that you would potentially know is Oya. But I don't. I don't have that kind of memory. Which is likely the one that causes the most amount of questioning with her presence because she's not like a criminal. <laughs> what, what, what did she do here? I mean, all of them look pretty distraught. That they've wound up here, so. All right, so they must have broken one of the three laws or done something. Or is this just a construct of Sabretooth's mind? Is he just deep pulling a handful of mutants? Or are they not bad at all and and the pit got out of control and they were sent down there to put it back in its place? Yeah. Say, hey, Sabretooth, chill out, man. Oh, that's interesting. Uh huh. They're not evil at all. They're a team. A team sent to tame the beast that is Sabretooth. Kill the beast! <laughs> great week. Great week. Another classically great week. Really big on the, the Wolverine Sabretooth. I, I'm digging that. He loves it, folks. He loves, he loves it. it. Hey, what's coming next week? Um, Let's see. Tell me back of the comic... Well, X Deaths of Wolverine, number, number two. two, New Mutants, number 24, The Secret X-Men, number one, and Devil's Reign, number four. Devil's Reign, number four. Well, that was good. That was good talk. Great talk. Until next time, old friend. Charles in the pit. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 